0: Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Dave.
0: And thanks for joining us today. Uh, So we were just thinking as we were getting started, you know, it's just this will be the second episode without her. But Carrie has left us and moved on to to, I don't
1: know about bigger and better things, but she's moved on. Carrie (laughs) has left the building. And uh, <laughs> we're going to cue some sad trombones. And, uh, but y- you'll still hear her voice uh, in this episode and, and the next. And, uh, but we, we wish her well in, in all things that uh, are to come for her. Yeah. Obviously,
0: we wish she was still with us. She brought a lot of, a lot of great perspective and, and to these conversations. And, and we'll definitely miss her voice as part of this. But uh, obviously, we'll keep, keep the podcast rolling because it turns out this one you're listening to right here is this is episode 100.
1: Episode 100. That is a lot of talking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's...
0: If you've been with us from the beginning, first of all, how? Second of all, congrats.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we started this thing, uh, the audio podcast. Uh, We've been doing live events for, for longer, but the audio podcast started in 2015. Five years on... A hundred episodes, actually over a hundred episodes, because we have some bonus episodes in there too. And, and now we're sitting here in a global pandemic. I am podcasting from my bedroom and Chris is from his office at his house. And this is not exactly what the way we would have scripted it, right?
0: You know, if you asked, if you told me in in June of 2015 that we would be recording episode 100 uh, remotely during a global pandemic, I don't think
1: I would have believed you, but here we are. Here (laughs) we are. But thank you so much for, for supporting us over all of these different episodes as we've, we've grown right along with the podcast and we've talked with so many fascinating people. I'd love at some point to do a retrospective of some of these conversations because it's just been, a, it's been an incredible ride and, and thanks for, for being a part of it.
0: Yeah. And if you are relatively new to the podcast and you want to, uh, or if you've been listening for a long time, but you want to go back and see some of the old ones, um, we actually have a page on our website, sandboxcooperative.com, where you can actually see uh, we've got some of the most popular episodes that are listed up there. We've also got some of our favorites. Uh, so if you're new or, or what just kind of wanted to dig a little bit deeper, uh, we just really encourage you to check that out because there's a great opportunity to see. Some more conversations, hear more stories uh, just from some of the great people we've had a chance to connect with. Absolutely.
1: And, and, and yet here we are, right? In, in the middle of a pandemic, and, and really despite the pandemic, people are finding all sorts of ways to continue being creative. Developing community, making podcasts, putting good stuff into the world. And we want to share uh, some of the stories of people that we know.
0: Yeah, so in this episode, uh, we'll start off sharing our conversation with Matt Penz about the way his dental practice uh, has adapted to the realities of COVID-19, all while keeping the office a safe, warm, and welcoming place for patients.
1: We also talked with our friend and frequent Sandbox guest, Heather Lynn. She shared about the ways that she has taken her music online during the pandemic and continued to develop a virtual community through those musical experiences.
0: So with that, welcome to episode 100 Creativity in the Age of COVID, part two.
2: Welcome to the Sandbox.
0: All right, well, we are back in the Sandbox studio, and we are excited to have Matt Pens here. Matt, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do with your time.
2: Sure, yeah. Um, I am a general dentist here in town in Rochester, um, we started Penn's Dental Care up about, uh, coming up four years ago. Um, and so we are kind of a smaller startup. Uh, a lot of my free time is spent kind of building the practice and, and uh, uh, you know, spending time, time at work, which is great. But then uh, also that the job doesn't end there when I get home. We've got three uh, little girls that uh, wait for me anxiously when I get home. So we've got uh, a five and a half year old, a three and a half year old, and a one and a half year old and then my wife Kate as well so
3: so matt um as you no, as we all know, we've been under this time of covid nineteen and global pandemic and some quarantining in there um so how have you been doing personally during covid like what's been what's new for you these days matt
2: yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah what's not what's not new i guess um, right you know right away when things kind of started to unfold and we were getting a little bit more information on on this um this disease and this pandemic we I mean, the, right away, the big thing was was work wise. What what are we going to do differently? What does this look What does this look like? And um, and so it kind of came on quickly. The some of the higher up the board of dentistry kind of started passing on messages saying we're going to close down. And right away, I was like, oh, okay, we're going to close down for what? A few days? A couple of weeks? You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was kind of unknown at that point. And so um, then then we just we got to learn a little bit more. And and uh, for for our work as dentists, um, we're in one of the higher Highest risk areas mm-hmm. um, because you know this virus is spread through aerosol droplets, which we create and live in basically <laughs> every day in general dentistry. So, um, you know, this and also we use up a lot of the PPE um, protective equipment um, that's really needed in, in the medical and the hospitals. So, right away, they made the decision right to shut kind of shut us down and just gather some more information, gather that PPE up. And so, it really provided me personally then. Um, some well needed actually time uh, at at home. Because as I said earlier, we started this practice from scratch. And it's been just a labor of love and time intensive and lots of long, long hours and days. And so really to hit hit the brakes and hit pause and to take a step back and and be at home with the girls. I absolutely loved, (laughs) Uh, you know, being able to, to have that slowdown and, and be with um, my family during the day for lunches, we took i don 't know how many walks every day <laughs> um, and just to uh kind of just hit the hit the pause button a little bit, which was nice and but then also during that was you know all this new information would come out almost daily, as you guys know, and so then it was kind of a uh you know okay i i'm enjoying my time at home, but yet I also have to kind of have my finger on the pulse of what else is changing, what's going on and what I need to do professionally to get back up and running. And so there was kind of like a couple of weeks there where it was like perfect of nothing going on and just being at home. And then it was kind of this middle ground. And then all of a sudden we got the okay to, to mm-hmm. start back up. And it was like a hundred miles an hour. I was full on back to, to work, to work mode. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great, a great change. I think just being, I think I learned a lot about my kids that I didn't I, I think I, I think I I knew, but just seeing them for more hours in the day, I got to I think learn a little bit more about their personalities and, and what makes them similar, what makes them unique, what makes them different. So that was a that was a ton of fun. Hmm, I I, cool. I, had a, I had a kick I got a kick out of that. So that was great. But I'm happy to be back at work, too. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I see now what Kate says when I get home and she's ready to hand the kids off to me. I get it now. I totally get it. So
0: So you're a pretty you're a pretty small team in the office. And I'm wondering when you realized that you were going to come back and there were going to need to be changes in terms of how the practice happened. How did you work together to figure out what those things were and what ultimately needed to change because of this?
2: yeah that, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Be- because we're such a small team, I felt like that constant communication throughout the entire process was really, really important. I, Kate and I had conversations during this, and, and we both agreed that you know, during this shutdown and re- reopening phase, there's going to be a lot of offices, a lot of businesses, a lot of groups, what have you, that are going to going to handle this and do it really well. And I think there's going to be, on the flip side, others that may not do it as well. And I didn't, both Kate and I looked at each other and so said, we're not going to be on that end of the spectrum. We are going to over-communicate. We are going to continue to engage. And that was one of the hardest, and going back a little, the hardest days was actually March 17th, the St. Paddy's Day, when we when we had to close down, I had I had scheduled a video shoot for our office as like a promotional video. <laughs> um <laughs> and, and so it was like one of those deals where it, we, we, we ended up doing the video shoot, but at the end of it, I knew I had to do these furloughs. Mm. And so it's like, please, here, come in, talk, so, you know, what you love about the office, and then I'm going to have to, you know, let you go for an X amount of time. But I never wanted it to feel like I was laying them off. I was, it was just a, a temper. I wanted everyone to feel that it was just temporary. And in order to do that, I wanted them to feel engaged throughout this process. So we would have weekly meetups on Google Meet, every Tuesday, um, just to kind of touch base with each other. Just again, check in personally, um, emotionally, and then professionally too, um, because life didn't stop happening. And, and, and this is one of the most stressful, obviously things that I've ever as a business owner had to go through in my short time of owning a business. But just continuing that contact and making people feel like they're a part of the process and, and, and being still included in these team mm-hmm meetings was I think huge for us because then everybody knew what I was trying to do as, as the owner to try to, to keep us safe and what we were tracking down. And then also I would be able to pull in other information from other, other employees that were you know going on their different you know hygiene websites and getting information there. So it was really a collaborative approach. And I think those weekly meetings really helped because then when we were ready to say, okay, I'm ready to open, we were all on the same page that we had done the work during the shutdown to be able to safely open for ourselves safely open for our patients and our community and so I, I think we we've heard some other stories where where people were furloughed and never contacted and all of a sudden they got a call like the friday before they're supposed to return on monday and said okay we're ready to come back on you know monday at 8 and it's like well, what was done? What, what are you doing to protect us? When it, when mm-hmm. There were so many unknowns there. So like mm-hmm. I said, I, I really wanted to make sure that we were doing this as safely as possible, doing it the right way and including all team members because you, yeah, you can't do it by yourself. You can't open without a, without a cohesive team <laughs> behind you. So uh, you can. It just wouldn't be very pretty. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing it very long. So <laughs> yeah, the, weekly, the Some- weekly meetings helped
1: a lot. So, Matt, you, you mentioned uh, that, you know, obviously you had to change your approach, uh, make it collaborative, high sense of communication, and that helped you return. You know, you haven't been back for terribly long, but you've been back long enough. How has it changed you guys? I mean, how how has this approach changed your office and uh, the way that you approach your work?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think we've always, as a smaller office, we've always taken a lot of pride in that small Community, really family kind of based feel. When people come in, we want to really make sure that we we convey that like you're part of our Penns Dental Care family. Now we're going to get to know you. We want to know about your family. We want to know about the activities, your vacations, stuff like that. And I think by by continuing, I definitely think you're right, David. It's made us a stronger group. I think the things that we did well before has just even gone above and beyond now. That when patients come in, not only do they want to have that family feel? But they also uh, the mm-hmm. new part of that is: Are you working together to keep me safe while I come visit you? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. Um, when we're all on the same page, knowing that these interactions that people coming to the dentist might be the only interaction that they've had with others outside of their family for for months. Like we all have to just be really on the same page and and uh, just aware that every little thing we do and talk about and how we conduct ourselves as a team directly relates and portrays what what we're about as an office. So it, I think it's it's taken our foundation of what we were striving to be, and I thought we did a good job, and I think it's actually even it made it made it better, made a more cohesive team. And the caring portion, now it's not just caring for your dental health. It's like we're caring about the health of you and your your yeah. family and the, the elderly that you mm-hmm. may be taking care of. And, and it's just, it's a, it's a whole different, it's a, <laughs> it's a whole different animal, but um, I, I, I'm so proud of our staff and, and how they've responded. And uh, um, I think, I think they're doing a great job.
1: Would you, would you say that there's a, uh, that your work, the changes that through work are mirrored at home as well? I mean, cause you had to change the way homework too, more time with the kids, more time with Kate, more, you know, like, and, and so it's, has that changed uh, the way that you approach your home life as well?
2: Um, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, I think um, and and before COVID, right? Pre-COVID, PC. Um, <laughs> remember, the, uh, remember,
1: remember the old days? It, yeah.
2: it, is that a thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I we were the kids were in all sorts of activities, right? Like we were running to swim lessons and. And dance lessons, and soccer, and uh, work, and play groups, and all sorts of stuff. So now, now with those kind of being and, and preschool, those kind of being on the on the on the back burner, it it definitely made you realize. I think like again the slowing down part. But what do we really need? What's really important in our family family unit? And and really just time and connection. Is just as, if not more important than running to lessons, running to to play groups, and um, and so I think Kate, you know, Kate uh, on her part, staying at home with the three girls, has taken the brunt of those those runnings as much uh, more than I have, and so I think that slower pace has has helped, and um, again, just just connecting with the girls and, and learning more about how cool and unique they are. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I knew that before. Um, but I think I have a better appreciation for that. And then just, yeah, kind of prioritize it. What is, what's important in life? What, what do we want to convey? What do we want to teach our kids? What do we want? You know, I think it's a huge perspective thing and, you know, perspective rolls into happiness and, you know, and I think nowadays and, in the age of, gosh, we're going to go way off this, (laughs) off the path here, but in the, in the, of of social media and Instagram and everything is so like, what do you need? You know, you know, you don't, Mm -hmm. what, what, what's important, what, what should you value? And And it's the time and it's the people around you. And it, and it doesn't matter that someone else is running and doing this and taking a photo of this or whatever. It's like, let's, let's bring it back to Kind of just just simplify life a little bit and and kind of try to block out those external pressures as much as as you can and and that leads to I think I- I'm hoping for our girls you know a, a happiness um, joy mm. that that's going to go on beyond this this shutdown and and to teach them that it's not things you, you know material things and and it's the connections and and people so
3: so Matt um I follow you guys on Instagram the mm-hmm. pens don't care. And um, it's great. It's one of my favorite accounts. <laughs> oh, um, really? That's awesome. Yeah, it, I love it. it Thank genuinely you. is. Um, <laughs> but I noticed that during the like you said, you were doing a lot of prep work to get ready for when people were coming back. And I noticed that you guys were, were even like hanging up different signs and doing even like construction work. Can you talk about what that was like and what you did?
2: Yeah. I am, uh, I'm a great manager of construction projects. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I've been very, very fortunate that um, my, kind of my, my family has, um, my, my dad and grandpa and have all been in construction in the area for, for many generations. And so I consider dentistry construction just miniature construction on teeth. So <laughs> uh, use cements and filling and drilling and stuff. But uh, uh, luckily with my dad's help, yeah, we so so one of the one of the challenges that COVID presents is the aerosolization of of these um, of the virus particles, and so what what we try to do, and and these recommendations kept coming down from the CDC, kept coming from the, the Minnesota Board of Dentistry, was to try to try to contain those aerosols as much as possible, and so one recommendation they had was to try to try to wall off any of the open operatories, and so our our office was was fairly open in terms of the entrance into uh, you know where where you guys come in and and sit for an appointment, and then also there was a an open area between the operatories between like the left and right ones uh, so there was an entrance and then one so we so the challenge was how do we how do we close these off but yet still fit the aesthetic of the of the office but yet not spend a ton of money because we're shut down right now and nothing <laughs> is coming in. <laughs> um, so that was, that, was a, that was a tricky balance. And, and like I said, my dad is, is pretty, pretty handy and was able to come in and kind of visualize what we wanted to do. So yeah, we ended up building partitions and walls in between the two operatories. And then, you know, uh, he had the vision for putting like a, a, like a glass barrier then after we built the wall up and, and kind of butted up against to the windows on the outside. Um, just to create a, a little bit of a barrier again, just to help help our uh, the safety of our staff and patients. Um, and then we had to look at putting up like medical grade curtains uh, to the entrance. We couldn't put walls at the front or put doors, so we, we ended up finding a, a company out of uh, Wisconsin that does a lot of the medical curtains. And so we he helped me kind of string those on the on the ceiling because we, we couldn't some of the other offices those seem like just like taping up plastic barriers and that's and that would have been that would have been fine a it didn't fit the aesthetic that we were going for um or and b we kind of got the feeling like this isn't going to be just a short-term deal we're going to want something that can can be used daily in and out that we can you know open and close and not have it tear and fall or rip paint off and so he was yeah he was instrumental in helping uh put those up once we got them ordered and then you know kate kate got to pick out more curtains for the office so the design <laughs> element there but yeah there was like physical barriers that we had to and physical changes we had to make to the office yeah which presented a challenge but mm-hmm. uh luckily we able we were able to um and then the other challenge was like getting things in time right like back or things were back ordered so we always had to if you saw something and you knew you wanted it you want you want to make sure you ordered it right away cuz if you waited even a couple hours or a day, you you weren't gonna be able to get it. So I'm glad you liked the time lapse video of the uh of the wall. I did. I told my dad, I said, We're gonna record this now, of you putting the wall up. Is that okay if I share it? He's like, You're gonna record and you're just gonna put put it you know, he just didn't quite so then I show him the time lapse. He goes, uh oh yeah that is is pretty cool he's not social media like savvy at all he's like oh that is pretty cool he's like you should do that for your bigger construction projects but anyways
3: (laughs) i showed it to like three people i was like did you really yeah i really (laughs) (laughs) did.
0: so man obviously a lot has has changed um but i'm curious if you have learned any learned or, or created any new patterns uh for yourself that have helped you kind of stay well and stay healthy, especially in this changing time, you know, I th- whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, just what, how, how are you taking care of yourself with uh, running a business and trying to respond to uh, not only the normal needs of your, of your patients, but, but also the mm-hmm. pandemic.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm not doing a great job. <laughs> I mean, I'd be a hundred percent. I mean, I used to probably before gyms shut down and things mm-hmm. like that. I had a, I had a, a much better routine in terms of physical activity um and since since, since covid um i can't say uh that uh, that has that has kept up as well as i would have liked um and so i, I would have thought that maybe i would um would do a little bit more physical activity outside which you know i should say um I can't say that I haven't done a great job. But, bike, you know, so if you can't go to, which I usually like to go into the gym since I can't do that. We we live right on like the bike trail. And so I've gotten trying to get into more of a habit of, of getting in some longer bike rides and just utilizing the outdoors a little bit more than since the indoors seems to be uh, uh, um, a little bit uh, higher risk areas. So that's been fun. And whether that's with the girls, oh, I should say, when we started this, Kate, uh, Sophie got a brand new bike and we're like, okay, maybe by the end of the summer, she'll be on two wheels. You know, we'll, we'll start her out on training wheels, but within the COVID hit and every day working with her, like within <laughs> three, three days we took the training wheels off. And so, uh, she started riding bike and th- that just happened that accelerated it with, the, with the shutdown. So that was kind of fun to see, but you know, going on bike rides with her and, um, I, I think I, I, spend a lot more time outside and and on walks and i think learn to appreciate more of just the beauty and and, and nature and finding kind of calmness in that um which i always enjoyed but i don't think i appreciated as much in just taking those those moments in and and then i think being able to do that with our girls and seeing it through their eyes was was kind of cool and unique too and again they noticed so such minor details of things that only kids can, whereas adults get so busy and just pass over, you know, mm. everyday things, but they find kind of the uniqueness in it. So um but yeah, trying to get outside, trying to do more bike rides with and without the girls. I wish I I I haven't gotten into doing any meditation or reading or just kind of quiet time to myself, which I think could be beneficial for sure we started in on some audiobooks and that was, that was good. Didn't finish the audio book yet. So <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get started and then you end. But, uh, it's just been, it's just been a busy time. And, uh, if I can't get the physical exercise in, I think just, you know, just tr- honestly trying to get enough adequate sleep at night too, is <laughs> super helpful in staying healthy. Yeah. Um, and so just trying to set, set, uh, a better, a better schedule of, of, you know, okay, at this time we're, we're, we're putting the phones away. We're gonna, you know, not stay up on TikTok all hours of night and scroll on that. And then your brain's going, you can't fall asleep. So trying to keep that out of, out of the bedroom. And, um, but no, I, I, I'm looking forward to, I think, of course, throughout this whole deal, we decided to buy a house too. So we're moving, <laughs> we're, we're closing tomorrow and moving on Friday. So really nice. these last couple months, Congrats. I would say, um, thank you. Um, W- haven't been the. Uh, it, it's just it's been it's been really busy, but I'm looking looking forward to carving out a little bit more me time here if, if things ever ever settle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the part that I love is that um, you know since you and I work out at the same gym, every time I see you I go, hey Matt, I didn't know you worked out here. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, every this is like the worst. Time. Every time. It's like the worst thing you could say to anybody at the gym. Hey, yeah. you, you're never here. <laughs> you're never here. I so. never see you here. You're never here. <laughs> nah, that's pretty good.
2: That's right yeah, that's
1: pretty. Uh, aside from that, what would, you, what would you say is like maybe the, one of the bigger things that you've learned or a, a, a chief learning or a, a big learning for you during this time about yourself, about your work, uh, about the community?
2: I, I kind of touched on it earlier. I, I think, with with myself and and the family slowing things down um i i think there's such a a rush to keep up um with our life beforehand whether we knew it or not or whether it was conscious or not it was just it was just part of the culture right it was just part of this is what you do with three little girls you you run and you run and you keep them busy and you uh get them involved in activities and and i think what uh, one of our our family friends has, has told us uh before don't you don't need to bring the kids to Disney World if they're if they're happy with with going to the neighborhood park. You, you know, like if it's mm-hmm. it's it's this expectation versus what do the again personally it's all a lot about our kids. So I I keep talking about them, but mm-hmm. um, you know, expectation versus what do the kids just really need? What do they what do they want? They they they're so young and and haven't been influenced by. <laughs> uh, you know, our, our fast paced culture as as much. And so when you really just strip it down and, and see it through their eyes, like they don't, they don't need to do all these things. It's more, is it more for us or or the reason we are, Mm -hmm. you know, running around is it, is it for us to feel like this is Mm -hmm. what we need to do as parents or, um, but when you really sit back and look, gosh, they were so happy just, just spending time with me and, having lunch together and going on walks and picking, you know, collecting pine cones. And uh, (laughs) we found, you know, a little, a baby turtle on one of our walks and, you know, and, and we went to Whitewater and caught frogs. So it's just kind of just the simple, simple things that I think we probably put pressure on ourselves as parents to provide these experiences for our girls and um, expectations on society of what we should do for them. And really, we just need to take a step back and like, what, what's, in, what's really important? What do our girl, what do we want to instill? What values do we want to instill in our girls? And what do they really need? You know, I think needs and wants have really <laughs> shifted during this too, um, and given us really good perspective on, on that. So, family-wise, that's, that's what I would say, slowing things down and just kind of focusing on what's really important for, for our girls professionally, man, I, I, we, we touched on it again too, teamwork. Teamwork has been huge for us. And I just, I really, I knew I had a great team before, but I think through hard times like this, you really, it shows a true character of the people you have and, and the people we have on board. And we've got a really great group of just caring people um, that care not only, you know, like I said, their dental health, but uh, and and people socialize, but also just their 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 whole wellness. And again, making their interactions here um, as 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 pleasant as safe as as we possibly can, um, knowing that this might be the only interaction that they have <laughs> uh, with with people outside of outside of their home. And then also kind of I'm still doing some contemplating and thinking on this, but like, what does this mean? after COVID for our office, what things are going to change? What things, uh, what, how how can we offer services differently? Right. Cause I think everyone was so used to the way things, how they were done, but there's, it's really open. And not just in dentistry, but probably more so in the restaurant, and the, in the retail industry is like moving forward. How are things going to change? What can we, how can we, you know, Impact our our patients and and provide value to them, not just in the office, but virtually. And are there virtual consults that we can do? How can we reach people and and help and answer our questions, or answer their questions, I should say? So I think I'll do some, you know, we'll do some more thinking on that and what that looks like for our industry uh, and how that might change. And then, I mean, I'm super biased growing up here in Rochester, but I love Rochester. I love the community. I love Growing up here, and I love having a business and raising our family here. I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I think times, again, tough times like this, communities band together. They come together. Um, they support each other. And uh, I think Rochester. I, I, I wouldn't expect anything else of what what they've done the past, you know, couple months. is and the people uh, of this community really coming together and help it, helping each other, because that's the only way we're gonna get through this is, <laughs> is together and, and mm. help and helping each other and you know, shopping local and providing um, services to those in need, donating to homeless shelter. You know, I mean just we've we've got so many people, I think Mayo it starts with it starts with Mayo and, and the and the legacy they've started, obviously in town and that the needs of the patients come first. You'll hear that and everybody who, who comes through Mayo and I think that trickles down to all the different um, industries in town, um, and um, it just the care, the needs of other people, and, and caring for them. And I think that's that's been exemplified throughout this throughout this last couple months. So I'm I'm proud to say, yeah, that I live here, and I'm proud to, to have a business here and, and grow have have grown up here.
1: So having having lived through uh, this this time of of COVID, and it's still stretching on into who knows how long. Right? What is What is some wisdom that you would share uh, with others about navigating it all? I
2: think what I've I've drawn throughout this process, I've drawn a lot on my experiences as an athlete. I played I played football growing up. um, Played it at uh, at Saint Olaf College, um, which we beat Gustavus all four years that I was there. But just that's a side note.
1: Side note. (laughs) <laughs> that's, Sorry, that's because I wasn't that's, yeah. that's because I wasn't playing <laughs> that's right that's I'd right. have owned I, you I'd think... owned you in another yeah. era
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would have kept my red jersey on Dave I would have kept my red jersey um, but um, I, I think I found myself kind of going back to those those times of 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 preparing for a season or preparing for a game hmm. or, a, or uh, having an off season. You know, I I think you can sit and and this is gonna be kind of again drawing on my football stuff. You can sit and say, okay, why did this happen? You know, woe is me. I've you know this shut down my business. I've got all these things that are stressing out, and and this isn't fair, right? And kind of playing a little bit of a victim mentality, and I guess maybe just the way I was raised or the coaches that I had, and it was always it, it's it's what what can you do? What what can you do next? What what's don't sit there and feel sorry for yourself. Go figure out the solution to the problem and, 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 and kind of pick yourself up and, and go to work. And, and you're, you're not going to change anything. You can't change what's happened. You can't – the things – I mean, there's so many things of this, this COVID thing that have been out of our control, right? And the whole thing has been just <laughs> out of your control, mm-hmm. and, and you can sit and be frustrated about that, or you can say, what are the little things that I can control, what can I do so that when we're back up and running what can I do with my family um, and focus in on those things and I think it, and it was kind of like trying to trying to find PPE for our office all the all the protective equipment it was it was just kind of like we, we have to do it takes what it takes I guess and that's that's actually the book that I was the audio book I was reading is from a sports psychologist and and his his you know mantra is neutral thinking and and it takes what it it takes it takes what it takes if you, if you think you have a choice in this whole deal you're wrong <laughs> you know if, if you want to if you want to be the best office in rochester like we try to do or the best dad or the best husband there's really no choice <laughs> it takes what it it takes to to get it done and you you can't feel sorry for yourself you just do what, do what's needed do what's necessary and and keep moving forward and so i i don't know i kept i kept relying on that through these tough times and Again, you hear these, you know, tough times don't last, tough people do, kind of things like that. But I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. you have to have thick skin, you have to be able to finding the the, the ways that you can make a difference, the ways that you, you, you can control, um, to keep you moving forward, because otherwise, this thing is going to, it's going to mentally drain you, it's going to emotionally drain you, mm-hmm. it's going to be physically draining, um, uh, and kind of navigating this as a business owner, as a father, as a husband, but just to keep to keep working hard, there's no substitute for hard work either. Um, and if you put in the work now, and like I told our staff and I I started this conversation, I think there's gonna be a lot of offices that are going to do this well and others that might not do it as well. But if we put in the work now, that's going to set us up for a future of, you know, um, success and how we could, connect with our patients now are going to directly relate to the referrals that hopefully people will send our way afterwards because they felt super comfortable and and taken care of and safe when they came and, and saw us in the office.
0: All right. Well, we are back in the sandbox and we have Heather Lynn with us. She's been a, a guest on a couple of different episodes and also for one of our live events. Uh, Heather Lynn, it's great to have a, have you with us.
4: Thanks so much for having me back. You all have been great collaborators and supporters along this journey, and I really appreciate you so much.
0: Thanks. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, so just just for the benefit of, of those who may not have been familiar with, with those previous episodes or of your work already, um, maybe just do a quick Uh, introduction of yourself and tell us a little Mm. bit about who you are and what you're up to.
4: Sure. Yeah, I feel like these little intros or bios never can fully tell the story, but uh, my name's Heather Lynn, and I'm a singer-songwriter and a worship pastor now as well. And I also would consider myself, I guess, a a poet-philosopher and an artist-activist-slash-advocate. Um, however imperfectly, as I'm continuing to learn all the time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I would say that activist advocacy piece is coming more alive these days with the current sort of reckoning with colonialism that our whole entire culture is going through. And um, the this sort of, I, yeah, like this profound, poignant and... Uh, and powerful call of justice um, Mm -hmm. to each of us that is just resounding and reverberating through uh, the world right now. It's really incredible. And I'm here for it (laughs) again, however imperfectly as I'm continually Mm -hmm. learning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to ask you, you know, what's new for you during COVID uh, this, this time, Mm -hmm. this pandemic living that we've got, but I think you, I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm intrigued by what you just said as far as uh, dealing with this reckoning and and, and this happening during this time of COVID 19. I'm wondering uh, if you know this has always been a part of you, but do you think that that's uh, that we're dealing with uh, that one has brought about the other? Like, we've spent so much time sitting in our homes that now we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and now Mm -hmm. we have to see uh, ourselves for who we really are and living in the colonialism, Mm -hmm. living in the midst of of white supremacy, living with all of this. Do you think that that's brought that to the fore for you? I I mean, I, and, 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 and specifically, but also society uh, broader uh, than that.
4: Yes, I, I think so, Dave. I, you know, when so many of us were witness via social media to the Brutal murder of George Floyd by a police officer Mm -hmm. in Minneapolis. I think this, that was a powerful awakening for so many Mm -hmm. people in a way that was more pervasive than possibly ever before because so many people have been brutally murdered Mm -hmm. unjustly. Um, brutalized by police officers. And a lot of that has been racially motivated. And a lot of us have seen it for some time now. But I think that more people were at home this time, more people were on social mm-hmm. media. And it does seem to have had a, a greater impact than ever before. And we're witnessing that where at all 50 states, there have been protests and demonstrations, I think under 20. But but some in the teen numbers of countries also, um, standing up and saying something's got to give here. Like, um, mm-hmm. we can't, we, we can we can no longer be so white centric. There needs to be equity and justice, true justice and peace through justice, not just a, a sort of peacekeeping that keeps things quiet and diminishes anyone's voice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so in this time of quarantine, um, Mm -hmm. how did your work change the work that you do for advocacy and activism and also with the singing and songwriting and um, being a worship pastor? What can't you do anymore? And how has that Mm -hmm. um, changed your life? And how have you found newness in that?
4: Yeah, so I'm really grateful that um actually, for a long time, my partner and I have been live streaming our house concerts. So we started live streaming when we were on the road, uh, pretty consistently, we would live stream house concerts, mm-hmm. backyard concerts. And then um, there came a a season, it was the end of 2016, moving into 2017, we started to realize that we we wanted to make a move to Colorado for one thing, and we were starting to realize we might need to slow down for a minute for our own health and well-being, and Mm -hmm. also to begin to um, recoup some of the costs that we had eaten on the road. Like we went, we went into debt to, you know, kind of like follow our calling. And, um, mm-hmm. and so we knew that we might need to, to taper off some of the touring, um, but still wanted to keep in touch with people that we had met and like amazing friendships and, and connections and collaborations around the country and the world. So we started creating uh, a live online with Heather Lynn series. So we started creating content for an online series Back in December of 2016, 2017, I started my story dwelling show, um, which is in-depth conversation and live music. And so I'm grateful that we already were in that sort of mode. Um, so the big difference now, of course, is that like... We're not doing any in-person shows to keep everyone safe. I mean, I feel like the the livelihood that I am able to create, it's dependent on a healthy respiratory system. And even as things are starting to open back up, I'm I'm still pretty tentative about Mm -hmm. where I feel comfortable going. I'm still... I, I feel like it's really important to be wearing a mask these days and I'm still seeing a lot of people not mm-hmm. doing that. So, you know, so I tend to stay away from the, unmas- the unmaskers because <laughs> 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 um, I figure they're not just doing that around mm-hmm. me in that moment. That's how they're living their lives. Right. So mm-hmm. So there might be a higher risk there, but, um, but anyway, so I just kind of rate when quarantine started, I was, I was like, okay, so we're going to do a weekly online thing. Um, so for a while, for a while, it's been online concerts every Wednesday evening. I'm switching it up now where I'm bringing story dwelling back in. I used to be pretty insistent on my story dwelling show being in person. I felt like that was part of what made it story dwelling a, a very mm-hmm. personal dynamic with each of my guests, very c- close and very connected. But with the coronavirus and not knowing how long this will last and how long we might need to compassionately physically distance ourselves I was like you know let's let's explore ways to do this online so now now I'm actually now that I've given myself over to that change I'm really excited about it because now I can interview people all over the country and the world Um, Mm -hmm. we're we're using a Mm -hmm. software called Ecamm Live and you can like present you know you can display photographs and graphics and logos and shizzle um so i did my first (laughs) i did my (laughs) first one of those last wednesday and it went so well and it was so much fun and uh, um, so i'm really excited to be doing story dwelling again uh so i think yeah that's that's some of how things have shifted a little bit i guess
0: so as some of that's coming together, you know, obviously the, the activism and, and kind of awareness around uh, race issues uh, in, in one hand, and, and obviously your work as a singer-songwriter on the other hand, um, I just keep thinking about the way that, you know, because you've been doing the online uh, stuff in some form for at least a while, and you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but it's, it seems like in some ways it was just made for this time. And so I'm curious, you know, how people are reacting, how people are connecting to you, are there are there new connections being made that you're seeing uh, some community flourish digitally? What would you say about about that element of it?
4: Well, I you know, this road that I've been traveling for Many years now is kind of a road less traveled, I guess. It seems very rugged and rough and unpaved and unchartered. <laughs> um, as an independent artist with, you know, the music industry being pretty, it, I, I actually see the music industry as pretty classist. And so trying to be an independent musician and flourishing in that has been very, very challenging. This, so, so sometimes I struggle with. Feeling like I'm not adulting properly because <laughs> it is such a challenge in so many ways. Um, this mm-hmm. is like a rare moment in my life's journey that I f- have felt prepared. Like I could have never mm. seen this coming. I had no idea <laughs> that, that we were, that we were gonna see a pandemic coming and I felt ready for it because we have been live streaming since uh, well, gosh, for years now, you know, and so it was nice to feel ready and to feel like we were prepared. And um like we could launch right into just a just kind of a different kind of series for quarantine specifically. <laughs> and, and yes, I think that especially in the first month of that, so many, so many people were home and had very little else to do. And so I did have a lot more viewers uh-huh. than usual. And so some more people, folks have become part of our Patreon community, which has been really lovely. Um, you know, and I'm getting to invite people into um, not just viewing my story-dwelling show, but reading the book with me leading up to yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, cool. and I'm also exploring ideas of using um, some of the virtual room rooms that are available to us now to have dialogue with them and to go deeper in those conversations together. I'm really grateful, you know, just that we have these technological resources that we can use to connect. Sometimes it doesn't feel like enough because our bodies need healthy touch and closeness and connection uh, as well, you know, but, um, but at least we have these ways to connect for now and, um, yeah. and it's good and beautiful.
3: So Heather Lyd, talk, you talked a little bit about overcoming some of the challenges and still being able to connect with people and still um, finding a lot of gratitude in this time for the ways that we're able to connect. Mm-hmm. And then also just your comments about, you know, humans needing human touch. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. And even like those whose love language is touch, like how are, how are they doing? And I was curious and for yourself, how have you found to stay well in all of this? What is your have you found like a new normal that helps you to stay um, healthy and well or something that's working for you? Yeah, what are you doing that's helping you stay happy and joyful? (laughs) Yeah,
4: I mean, that's a very good question. And I think it's an ongoing question to live uh, day in and day Mm -hmm. out. I do feel very grateful to have I, I do have a, a very good partner in my life who I can still be close to and snuggle with and I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that um, op- opportunity <laughs> in my life I think it would be very very hard every Saturday evening I get together with a handful of people to you know live stream our our worship service and sometimes it's very painful to be so close and yet Try, seeking to honor and ke- out of a place of care not hugging these people that I really care about mm-hmm. you know I experience a similar pain and a similar ache sometimes when I tune into the live streams of other musicians and artists that I dearly love because there's this feeling of being so close but but not right? Um, Mm -hmm. So close, but so far. And so sometimes it's just so bittersweet, it's painful, you know? And so I actually have kind of had to think about, am I in a place where I really want to show up to this virtual event because of Mm -hmm. the way that it impacts me emotionally or, or psychologically. So I think that there is a, an ongoing practice of mindfulness, at least for me, um, however imperfectly, um, you know, like I don't, I'm not always mindful, but I, but I'm seeking and trying, I have an intention of being aware of how I'm being impacted in a, in a, a particular, you know, encounter even virtually. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> I have felt a uh, fatigue of like, you know, to just being zoomed out. And uh, mm-hmm. I think I think that's a, a very real thing and I I think that there's it's just a real thing to sort of notice and, and pay attention to that there can, that the paradox exists within us, where it can be so good and beautiful to be connecting, um, even via Zoom. And at the same time, it's not the same kind of connecting because people's eyes are like all over the place and you're never re- really fully making eye contact or You're not. Yeah. Or it's just weird. Right. Like when someone's like this or (laughs) it's (laughs) um, it's, it's just a real thing. Right. That like I mean, I think that all of us here will probably have a really lovely sense of of satisfaction at getting getting to see each other. Um, but, mm-hmm. but it'll also be like, oh man, I can't wait till like you actually take a road trip here to Colorado and we can, we, we can put our arms around each other and we can toast our whiskeys, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I so I, I feel like there's a simultaneous, um, you know, gift to be received. And there's also just holding space for the ache and just loving on your ache and, Um, knowing that that's a reality, it's a real thing and it's okay to feel sad about it. And it's just okay to feel things. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think most of us need to continually remind ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. or if we're in this place of like, why am I feeling this funky right now? um just to acknowledge like oh well all of these things are pretty freaking funky right now <laughs> you know <laughs> and the and the weird the weirdness is so legitimate i also feel like part of the absurdity that we're experiencing though is part of what has made this um environment so fertile for revolution which is so incredible it's amazing
1: i was interested in something you, you had mentioned, uh, as we, as we talk about being zoomed out and looking at screens and our eyes are all over the place. And then I think about going to the grocery store and walking through there and we just start ignoring each other in ways that we would have had some engagement with one another. Like we're walking past cause we don't really want to be there for too long. And then you have people who are not masked, and I have no time for that. And you keep walking, and and so like uh, social norms and the ways that we connect yeah. have all been thrown up in the air, and I don't, and, and they haven't come down yet. So we haven't settled on the new thing yet. As somebody who mm-hmm. connects, you're you do such an uh, incredible job of building community and connecting across time zones, across people groups across all these different things, you're navigating a, 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 just a new landscape and 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 the norms haven't even settled yet. So it, it, it's got to be a very difficult walk for you and, and for Jason.
4: Yeah, I mean, anytime you're trying to create connection, I feel like no matter what the context, um, being genuine is really the thing, right? Being genuine and caring about the people that you're interacting with or interfacing with, um, having empathy um, having genuine curiosity for how they're doing and, and showing that. Um, so even if you can't do it with your facial expression, because you've got a mask on, you can do it with Mm -hmm. the tone of your Mm -hmm. voice, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, one of one, one small, but significant difference in doing online concerts is that, you know, I don't, I'm not feeding off the energy of people in a room with me. And so Mm -hmm. the only way to really do audience engagement is by um, calling on people when I see them show up in a live stream. You know, so I'm looking at the comments and I'm looking at who's showing up and I'm saying hello to them and acknowledging Mm -hmm. their presence and thanking them for coming and trying to engage people in some sort of dialogue of, of ways that they've... You know, for example their you could say their gratitudes and their griefs, knowing that we have both of those and we hold them in tension in our bodies and in our minds and our awareness. And so inviting people to engage me in, in ways Mm -hmm. like that, even in between songs, you know? Um, so I think, I think that's getting at Mm -hmm. some of what Mm -hmm. you're, you're asking about. Um, just different ways. They're, they're small, but significant ways to connect with people and engage them. And, um, a little bit of that too. When we're live streaming our worship service, uh, there's all kinds of great ways to do this, right? So, I don't think that there's one right right way to do it. Um we're all doing the best that we can. So we happen to use Facebook Live. So our small team gets together and we do the we do it live. We have found that, you know, it works in that sort of context. We banter more and I have this idea, this feeling that as we're bantering, those, um, the mirror neurons that people are picking up on as they're viewing the live stream, they're experiencing that in their bodies, you know, when they see that mm-hmm. connection happening. And, and we also invite them to share stuff with, with us in the comments as well. And so that's how they're interacting with even the, the story that we're sharing or the text we're meditating on or the songs mm-hmm. that we're singing, you know. So I'm grateful for that. It doesn't. It definitely isn't fulfilling every aspect of uh, you know our needs for connection, but but needs are being met. I think on some level.
1: wrapping up a two-part series on creativity in the age of COVID. We've heard from musicians and a writer. We've heard from a cook and a dentist. Each of them has shared how this time in our lives has challenged them to think differently and to find innovative solutions in their lives and in the process to bless others. Now, you might not think of yourself as inherently creative, but I'm going to push back on that a bit. If you are alive and breathing right now, you are creative. This time of COVID is proof. We've all needed to adjust and create. So I'd like to close with a few questions for you today. How have you changed and adapted in this time of pandemic? How are you putting goodness into the world during this challenging time? How are you keeping beauty, peace, and love in circulation in this historic moment? Look, it might be big, it might be small, but with each of us adding to the equation, the world shifts and becomes, even if it's just a little bit, the world becomes a little more beautiful in our wake.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with all the things that we've got going on, on the Sandbox, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com.
1: You can also rate and review us on iTunes, as well as find all of our 100 episodes that are cataloged there. But you can check in there and join us in the conversation.
0: And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the Sandbox.
1: Until next time, we'll see ya. Bye.
2: Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.